Jake Allen Lachelet was a 22-year-old from Brusley, Louisiana. He was a father who loved fishing. On August 27, 2014, Jake had dinner with his grandmother and brother. After this, there are no substantiated sightings of Jake, but his truck was found on a bridge overlooking the Mississippi River in the early hours of August 29th, over 24 hours later. He was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. In my writings and on the live show, I've spoken of how disappearances are minimum information problems, much like poker. In that game, a player must make decisions despite not knowing what the other player's cards are, and whether they're going to bet, fold, or raise, meaning much of the data that is needed to win is unknown. I think you can see the similarities. Often, we don't even know if the person is deceased or not. We don't know if the person ran away on her own or was forced. We suspect something of a foul play nature happened, but sometimes there's no proof of that. So we must put the limited amount of information we have together to come to the best conclusion, even though we may very well be wrong. Why? Because there could be information we just don't know until the case is solved. This is in contrast to murder mysteries, where we 100% know crimes have been committed. And these play out much more like chess, where all the information is known. And it's a battle of wits between competitors, the good guys versus the bad guys. Well, with Jake Lachelet, we have a disappearance. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Yet the known information is contradictory, incomplete, and even some of it, possibly fabricated. And we're left to decide what conclusion we can reach with the public's evidence. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Good's website, charlieproject.org. Jake Lachelet was the second of two brothers. He also had a younger sister. Jake was the more laid-back child of the three, with him preferring to go with the flow than leading. He was into cars and skateboarding, but those interests never could get in the way of his main love, fishing. Jake worked hard and had gotten a loan not long before he disappeared. The belief is that Jake planned to buy a house. However, there were problems. The mother of his daughter in 2013 had been charged with child abuse, with a baby suffering broken ribs. Jake was never charged with anything, but this did cause him to lose custody of that daughter as well. Yet Jake had a hearing that was due to take place in September of 2014. The belief 
was that he alone would get custody of the little girl. So, on August 27, 2014, Jake had dinner with his brother and his grandmother on his father's side. After this, there are no documented sightings of Jake. Yes, many text messages between himself and others, including Fallon, the mother of his daughter. But no phone calls where Jake's voice was heard or any situation where somebody put eyeballs on him. The only exception would be his father, who claims Jake was at his house on the evening of August 28th. Yet, this date is in doubt. Even so, 36 hours after that dinner on August 27th, in the early morning hours of August 29th, two 911 callers reported a truck on the I-10 bridge over the Mississippi River. The truck was Jake's. In fact, one of the callers said he heard a driver on a CB saying he saw someone jump from the bridge. Police arrived. The river was searched. Nothing was found. Jake was never seen again. The next day, when Jake's mother went to his apartment, many of Jake's possessions, including a TV, were missing. The roommate claimed he knew nothing and that Fallon should be questioned. Fallon gave no good answers to Jake's mother or the police. There is a ton of public information regarding Jake's disappearance. This is due to Jake's mother being very aggressive in getting Jake's phone, obtaining audio tapes of the 911 calls, and talking to the people who were around Jake at the time. Due to this, it's difficult to narrow this case down to three key questions. But I think these three will do. Number one, why did Jake's phone go out of service for over two hours on August 28th? Number two, why did the roommate offer no explanation of the theft or damage done to the place where he and Jake were living? And number three, why did both 911 calls come from the same phone number, yet the caller's voices were different, with neither mentioning the other call? Jake's family is absolutely convinced that foul play is the cause of his disappearance and that he did not jump off the bridge during the early morning of August 29, 2014. The guest for this episode is Jake's mother, Tina LeClerc. Unfound news. By the time you're hearing this episode, you probably now know whose show I was on within the last couple of days. Yep, it was John Lorden's on YouTube. He brought up the idea about three weeks ago when we were discussing Noah Davis, and I said, sure, let's do it. We ended up interviewing Jason Landry's father, Kent, regarding his son's disappearance from almost two months ago. I hope you found our discussion with Kent to be informative. I hope it leads to a resolution in Jason's disappearance. Next Yep, we passed February 1st at the beginning of this week. And yes, I managed to crank out a newsletter. It was kind of a shorter one, like 3,000 words, simply because there is not a lot of stuff going on with Unfound right now. Not that we aren't busy, we are. But nothing that would usually make it into a newsletter. But if something happens, it will be in the next one. Finally... This past Monday, I had the pleasure of meeting in person a woman who will surely be on an upcoming episode of Unfound. Her sister disappeared over 30 years ago in Pennsylvania. 
We had lunch and a great discussion. I don't get to meet many former guests or future guests, so it's always great when I do. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Deezer, Facebook, and YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us on our podcast channel for the Unfound live show. All of you can talk with me, and I can answer your questions. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. This week, I need to thank Melissa. You can also contribute at PayPal, paypal.me forward slash unfoundpodcast. And do not forget the website, theunfoundpodcast.com. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the mother of Jake Lachulet, Tina LeClerc. Tina, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Let's start here. Uh, let's just talk about your family just in general. Um, how many I, – I, I really don't know, even though we've talked many times. Um, how many children do you have? I have three. Um, Craig and Jake, they were actually 13 months apart. Craig is the oldest at 29, mm-hmm. and Jake is 28. And Chelsea, she was born six years later. She's 22. Wow, okay. So two boys and a girl. And how would you say that, of course, the boy is very close in age. How did they all three get to get, uh, get along? Oh, Craig and Jake were like best friends. They, of course, they fought off. <laughs> they <laughs> fought growing up. <laughs> yeah? But uh, Craig liked to kill Jake a bunch of times. <laughs> uh-huh. But, you know, they were... They were tomboys, but Chelsea, they tried to kill her a bunch of times too, but, you know. <laughs> uh-huh, but, but uh, yeah, they were, I guess you were saying they're very competitive, uh, yeah. trying to get the upper hand. Oh, right. Yes, indeed, but she got them a few times too, so she okay. broke her arm and <laughs> she got Oh, my. Back. Oh, my. Yeah, it was funny. Okay. All right, well, it doesn't sound funny, but if you say so. Um, okay. Um, would you say that uh, – how would you say that, you know, Jake was compared to those two? Did they, were they all have unique personalities or somewhat similar? What would you say? Oh, no, they all unique. Yeah? Uh, Craig, Craig is uh, Mr. Popularity, you know, always popular in school, and mm-hmm. Jake was more of – He's got to know about everything. He's going to learn it. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, the microscope or, you know, trying to see how things work. Wow. You know, um, that kind of thing. He was really, really smart always. And mm-hmm. Chelsea, same thing. She she liked to sing and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So she was totally opposite to, they all have unique personalities. Okay. And so I'm guessing that Chelsea, your youngest daughter, uh, must have been very young when this happened in 2014. Of course, uh, not you know seven or uh, six and a half years ago. Yeah. Yeah. She was still in high school, and it it got her pretty good. I mean, but yeah. She 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 really she really pulled through. 
mm-hmm. she still managed to keep her grades up and, you know, mm-hmm. um, be attentive in school. I'm, I'm very proud of her. Yeah. To say the least, you know, because yeah. when I broke, she helped me. You know what yeah. I mean? She was my rock. Yeah. So she was actually pretty good. Now, we know we'll, of course, get into Jake uh, was living uh, on his own with a roommate at the time. It's going to be a, an important part of this discussion. But was your uh, youngest, Chelsea, living with you when Jake disappeared? Yes. She was? Yeah. She okay. Was. Mm-hmm. And maybe one more question. Being that you had two boys first, were you ready for a girl? <laughs> yes, I thought I was. <laughs> oh, you thought yeah. you were. Now, that's funny. Okay. No, no she's a blessing. Yes, of course. Okay. All right. That's funny. Well, I thought it was. That's a good. That's an excellent answer. That's funny. Okay, so two boys and a girl. All right, and I, I'm I'm sure we'll talk about them a little later. Okay, well, let's talk about Jake. You already said that he was into science. He was a very um, inquisitive guy, uh, curious. Um, what were some of his hobbies? What did he like to do uh, as a teenager? You know, into his early twenties. What was what was his, what were his hobbies? Um. First, it was drawing. He loved to draw. You mm. mean, um, still today, if you go in, like in Addison, in him, a dancing studio, the back wall, the whole mural, he drew that. Um, wow. I mean, he would go into people's houses and draw their murals on their wall, and they'd pay him for it. That was a hobby of his. Huh. And um, wow. horrors. He loved chorus, and during high school, him and one of his friends put a super in my garage, and they took everything out. I mean, even the seats, <laughs> every bit of it out, and they redone it all through high school, and wow. put new parts in it and all, and it actually ran. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, were you, were you surprised yeah. it ran? <laughs> well, I was. You know, I was shocked. I was, mm-hmm. you know, actually, they, that was their favorite thing mm-hmm. in high school, I guess, was shop. And yeah. then, um, okay. uh, fishing. Oh, well, wait. <laughs> Let me back up. It's skateboarding. Skateboarding? Skateboarding was his, his life for forever. Um, when he was growing up, he was sponsored by, um, I call him Otisun because I couldn't remember the name. Mm-hmm. Of company that caught sponsoring and he said it was Rectus and he was sponsored by them and they would provide I mean his shirts his shoes his pants his skateboard I mean they provided everything for him all I really all he had to do was skateboard and hand out stickers he was really you know pretty good he must have been did he go to like competitions or, or something like that or what yeah, he would show up at different parks and stuff. So he he was pretty good. Okay. And then he liked to fish. Uh, that was his next affair. He said that was his quiet time. He would go mm-hmm. there and he would just, I guess, just quiet time by would, himself if he had to. Huh? Would he? So he go? So he wouldn't be fishing with others. He'd just go by himself. Well, we lived on the water. Um, Again, while he was in high school, we lived on the water, and it was like in a neighborhood, you know, like there was water between my house and across the way there was other houses. Mm-hmm. So 
he used to have this little flat boat. He would go fishing in the evening. Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell this little story because But um, he, this man would watch him. He would paddle down this little area, and this guy would watch him every day. Well, one day he called him over to his son, come here. And Jake went over there, and he says, I got something for you. And this man gave him a trolling motor, but a motor to put on his boat. So I came home from work one day, and he was waiting for me. He's like, Mama, Mama, come here. Come see. And I'm like, what? And he showed me. He was so excited. She says, you got to come ride with me. So, Mm -hmm. So I did. I went ride with him. Well, when we moved out of that neighborhood, he went back to that old man, and he said, here, I want to thank you very much for letting me use your trolling motor. And he gave it back to him. That's the kind of integrity Jake had. You know, wow. he was a good kid. But uh, that was... That's a good, that's a great story. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, regarding uh, high school, did he did he graduate from high school, and, and what did he do? Oh, yeah, Mm-hmm. He graduated from high school with honors. Wow. Um, okay. He was he was one of those kids that um, I I can't explain. The only people he wanted at his graduation was me and his brother. Uh, so we were only two there. Okay. But uh, he he was super smart. Okay. He, they had places that asked him for college, but I was single mother Mm-hmm. So he always had a plan. 
Good. And so, I mean, his plan was he was going to make it on his own. He was going to get his own business going. But he didn't like working for somebody, making money for other people. So he had a plan. And what work was he doing at the time of his disappearance? Several jobs. He was um, welding and pipe fitting in, uh, at Exxon. He was fight fabricating. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. It was these big doors. It was he would send me pictures of huge, huge, huge doors and um, fences and stuff like that. He was making for this one shop. Okay. And then um, he was welding for, it, it was casinos and stuff. Um, he was doing that too on the side. So he had three different jobs going. All right. Let's move on to this. So this is the work he was doing at the time. Sounds like a very industrious kid. Uh, certainly not lazy. Let's move on to this. And I just want to talk about this. Uh, relationship in general. We, of course, get to the specifics uh, very quickly, but just for now, uh, this girl Fallon uh, that he was in a relationship with, how did they meet? How long were they together? What can you say in general? How long? Were, how, how did they meet? They met at a Halloween party, and they were off and on, off and on for, I don't know, um, Maybe three years. Okay, so they met maybe when he was like 18, 19 years old. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Okay. All right, so they met at a Halloween party, and they were on and off. And uh, was she the same age as he is, or a little younger, a little older? Do you know? No, I think they're the same age. Same age. Yeah, her her birthday's right after you. Okay. And just in general, once again, I know, you know, we're going to talk about what happened, you know, close to his disappearance, but in general, maybe in those, just those first couple years, um, what was your opinion on the relationship? It was toxic. Was it? It, it, was, it was toxic. Okay. There was, if they were always arguing, mm-hmm. like oil and water. Okay. Did they ever uh, live together? Did they? Did he ever? Uh, did the two of them ever live with you, or or what? Yeah, both. They lived on their own. They lived with me. Okay. The both. Okay. All right. We will come back to that. All right. So they knew each other for roughly about three years, off off and on, like you said, toxic relationship. We all know about that. Uh, we're all adults here. Um, so, and then they met, you know, in their late teen years at Halloween party. Okay. And I just also want to talk about, uh, this guy very quickly. What kind of, uh, relationship did Jake have with his father? They didn't get along. Um, when Jake was, um, I don't know, about 15 16, mm-hmm. his daddy said he disowned him, was no longer his father, huh. jumped out of his life. So um, they didn't get along that well. So when he got to be an adult, you know, he tried again, but 
Mm-hmm. Again, they just are. They butted heads, mm-hmm. so they 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 couldn't get along. So. And you and his father uh, were not together. You'd gotten divorced at some point in the past. Oh yeah, been been divorced for twenty something years. Okay. In your opinion, what was the issues between the both of them? Why would you say that they butted heads? In your opinion. George was abusive. Okay. He he talked with his hands. Okay. All right. I think we can all understand that. Okay, so we'll just leave it at that for now. He will be mentioned later. Let's move on to this. Uh, there, uh, you know, in in my opinion, uh, what we do is, you know, I I think the, the listeners at this point know that these um, interviews follow follow a certain pattern. And one of those things that we do uh, before we actually talk about the day of the disappearance, we talk about all of the things that kind of were going on in that missing person's life in the days, weeks, months before he or she disappeared. And I have to tell you, there was seemed to be a lot going on in Jake's life. So we're going to have to, we're going to, listeners, you should know, we're going to cover quite a few things here. And, and this is where we are going to start. Uh, it may seem like a strange place to start, but I think it is important. Uh, you told me, and I have it in my notes, that not long before Jake disappeared, he had gotten a loan approved. Is that true? Yes, he went. And, um, he had pre-approved for a business loan. He was going to get his own welding truck and start his own welding business, like for pipelines and stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you know that he was doing that? No, I didn't. It shocked me when he told me. All right, so he realize. just he just up and told you, you know, I'm going to start my own place. I'm going to get this loan. Did anybody need to um, uh, co-sign for the loan? Uh, do you know how much this loan was? How much money? Do Do you know any of that? I don't know how much it was. No, and no, he did this on his own. Okay. My uncle Keith has had did. That's what he did. So. Jake had talked with him, I'm sure, mm-hmm. before he did any of this. Okay. So what you're saying is Jake went to a bank, fill out the loan uh, information. It's a business loan, and that is your understanding. Right. Okay. How long would you say that that occurred before he disappeared? Oh, it was that, like, <laughs> that either day or... Wow. Somewhere like that. It was then. Very close. Very close. All right, so if we're we're going to accept that uh possibly August twenty ninth, twenty fourteen is his disappearance date. There might be some a little bit of wiggle room there. But you're saying that this loan could have been gotten, he could have uh started to begin the process on maybe the August twenty eighth. Right. August 27th. August In my opinion, mm-hmm. Jake went missed on August 28th. Okay. Thank you for that. Okay. All right. So you're saying it could have been the day before he went missing. Right. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's move on to this. Um, uh, his roommate is uh, eventually going to get mentioned in all of this, so we need to just cover him a little bit. Uh, what uh, was or what is the roommate's name? Of course, uh, this, of course uh, roommate at the time of the disappearance. Uh, how did Jake know this guy? How did they end up uh, living together? Maybe you can give the listeners some specifics on that. Um, Jeff, um, Jeff Taylor, he was a, went to school with them for a while. He was supposed to be a friend. 
Mm -hmm. That's how they knew each other. Mm -hmm. He had only been staying with him maybe one, two months at the most. He had just went in there. He had stayed with him before, um, I don't know, maybe a year or two before. And mm -hmm. so that's not why he went back there. So they needed a place to stay. So Jeff had an open room again, so there he went back there. I didn't like the place, but Jake mm. said it was just temporary. Okay. It, did he have to go back to this place because he, uh, because Jake and Fallon had a falling out? Do you think that was the reason? Well, him and Fallon wasn't even supposed to be speaking. Mm. That was in the court's order. They mm. were not supposed to be talking, nothing. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I'm saying is where was Jake living before he went back to living with the roommate for the last time? Where was he living before that? Do you know? Uh, he, uh, he, I'm trying to remember. He stayed with me for a while. Mm -hmm. And then... I really can't remember. I oh. honestly can't remember. Okay, that's fine. All right, so for some reason he was living somewhere else, and then he decided he was going back to live with Jeff Taylor... Uh, you said that they were friends in high school. Um, before they started living together, what was your personal opinion? I know your opinion has changed, of course, since the disappearance. But before then, uh, what was your opinion of Jeff? Uh, not, not trustworthy. I mean, he, okay. I, I didn't like him. Okay. Uh, did in, once again, I, I only want to talk about discussions you had with Jake one on one. Did Jake ever say to you anything about Jeff that you know caused you to think, well, this isn't a very good guy? Did Jake ever say anything negative about Jeff? I mean, sometimes roommates don't get along. What do you remember about that? <laughs> Jake says is I can't keep nothing in the refrigerator. <laughs> Okay, well that's that's a common room that's a common roommate uh, discussion. Having had roommates in the distant past, I, I know the feeling. Okay, that's funny. Okay, so two guys living together. Um, would you call Jeff one of uh, Jake's best friends, or was just a casual friend? Uh, just a casual friend. Okay. All right, so maybe it might have been just a convenience thing. Hey, I know this Jeff guy. He has a he has a bedroom. He needs a person to pay half the rent, and that's how they hooked up. Right. Okay. What didn't uh, What didn't you said you didn't particularly care for this place? Why was that? He just had one of those personalities where you know they're hot and like uh, how you explain it. Mm -hmm. They're too nice. They're they're like, um, you just know they're hiding something. Okay. Uh, well, we don't want to go off the feelings here. You had said that, uh, I guess what I'm asking you is this place that they were living at, nice place, apartment, no. what was it? No, it was a trailer and it was not in a good area. Okay. All right. All right, so they're living there and like you said, um, Jake had only been living there maybe for only a month, maybe two months. Possibly. So let's just say um, the end of June uh, maybe was the earliest that he could have been living with uh, Jeff and uh, into 2014. All right, so let's move on to this. 
Uh, this is a very uh, sad topic, but we have to talk about it. We have to talk about this child abuse. Um, did Jake and Fallon have any children together? They have uh, a little girl. Mm-hmm. She, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember how old she is. She was born a day after his birthday. Um, so June 18th, mm-hmm. 2013. Wow. Okay. So she just would have been a little over a year old when Jake disappeared. Right. Okay. And so they only have one child together? Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, allegations of child abuse um, arose uh, sometime, of course, between the summer of 2013 and Jake disappearing. How did that all come about? Uh, Fallon was convicted of breaking seven ribs and causing three hematomas on Naomi when she was three months old. How was, uh, if you can say, how was this even uh, discovered? How did this all come about that somebody recognized this? Um, She went to the emergency room one day, one morning, and... I didn't really think too much of it because it seems like she was always at the doctor with this baby. Mm-hmm. And I had, Jake would have to take off of work all the time and go take her. Until finally I just said, Jake, stop. I will go take her. I have a job where I can leave whenever I want. So I made him stop, and I started taking her. Well, this one time she just went on her own and... She called me at work and told me that um, something's wrong with the baby's rib. And I was like, something's wrong with the baby's rib? What you mean, like deformed? Um, what you mean? Mm-hmm. She said, no, like like broken. I'm like, broken? What in the world? Yeah. And she has an older daughter, so I was like, did, you know, did she fall on her? I mean, what happened? So I leave work and I go over there and they, they were doing a... Um, stand on her head and by this time Jake had gotten there because mm-hmm. I called Jake and yeah. the doctor walked in and she said and Jake was holding Naomi and the doctor says um this baby has seven broken ribs and three oh hematomas she says and I looked at, looked at Jake and Fallon and I took the baby from her and I said, this baby's hurt. Somebody better start talking. Yeah. And Fallon said, asked if she could speak to Jake outside. When they got out up, the doctor looked at me and she said, Miss Tina, this is shaking baby syndrome. Oh, my. I went, oh, my God. You know, so they had to take the baby to Children's Hospital. And um, mm. from there, it was like a huge nightmare. You know, it's like, okay. this doesn't happen to me. <laughs> this is something that right. happen to me. And they were living at my house, so it made it ten times worse. And the doctor or the, the detective was like, you should have seen something. You should have seen something. And mm-hmm. I said, I worked all the time. Jake worked all the time. You couldn't see it. I couldn't tell anything was wrong. 
And the doctors, I've taken the baby to the doctor several times. Doctors couldn't see it. How was I supposed to see it? Oh, my. And so it was it was really upsetting. And so mm. once they took, um, Fallon finally confessed. And so we was like, oh, so we can go get the baby and take her home. Wow. Well, by the time we got to the hospital, the, the, um, Social services was there, yeah. and they said that we were too late. That the paperwork was done, they were taking the baby. Oh my! Now, if I knew what I know today, I would have had an attorney, and none of this would have happened. But me being, I don't, I didn't, you know, I'm a person who I don't do anything wrong. I, I didn't do anything wrong, so why should I have an attorney, you know? Yeah. Me and Jake, we don't do these things. Yeah. Well, so then Jake was given this list of things he had to get done so he could get his child back. And we were like, why? He didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So we, <laughs> me and Jake and my mom and my 15-year-old daughter, and I was so upset. This is what upset me most about this thing. Chelsea said, well, when we're taking Naomi home, and the social worker looked at her, just watch and learn, baby. You need to learn this. While they told us, um, y'all, please come to escort these people out the hospital. They made cops come and get us and escort us out of the hospital. Wow. Like we were criminals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We didn't do anything, right. you know. Yeah. So, so you're saying that the Naomi, this this is the daughter's name, went into uh, protective services then at least for a while, or, or what happened there? She went in for, um, I guess she was there for about a week, and we were told, well, Jake and I, at first, they said that we could get her, so we went through um, home study, whatever. They they made mm. us do the drug test and all that, which I was glad because um, Jake said that the minute the detective got in there, the detective asked Jake, he says, what's your mom on? And Jake's like, what are you talking about? He says, your mom's on something. Jake said, my mom isn't on anything. She doesn't do drugs. Mm-hmm. And so I was so glad to take that drug test just to, <laughs> to check with you Just know, to show that they were wrong. I wasn't on nothing. Yeah. You know, I was in shock. If you want to know where I was going, it's called shock. Yeah. But after they did our home study and everything was fine, you know, me and Jake were sitting around thinking, okay, well, if you got to work, you know, I work on base. There's a there's a child care on base. I could take her to child care there. You know, we were figuring out how can we do this, you know, him being a single dad, how can we do this? Just to find out that, no, y'all can't have them because it happened in your house. Yeah, right. And they might have been suspicious of everybody. Uh, so we were just like, what? And so then they decided that we're, George is going to uh, try. And I'm like, there's no way they don't give it to him. I mean, he abused his wife. He abused me. He abused the kids. All this is in our own record. Just, there's no way, you know? And then they did. 
I'm like, what kind of, I mean, it's, it's in record. I, mean, I just couldn't believe it. I was in non-belief. And they did. And so Jake had to, had to see, you know, mm-hmm. had to live with that going, um, his baby was there. And so how long did Naomi stay in this uh, custody of uh, the state? How long did that last? And who got custody of, who got custody of Naomi when this period was over? George did. And she stayed in there, I guess, about two weeks. And then George got custody of him. <laughs> so your ex-husband, Jake's father, George. Right. Okay. He got custody. That seems like an odd choice. Okay. Okay. Let me ask you some questions about all this. First of all, yeah, we're doing this interview on January 24th, 2021. Uh, how is Naomi now? Um, I guess she would be seven years old, something like eight years old. Uh, did she recover from those things? How is she at eight years old? Oh, I just seen her. Thank God. I recently just reunited with her for the first time in seven years. Yeah. First time I've seen her, she was going into surgery, mm-hmm. and I um, actually got to see her. Yeah. And, and how's she doing? She, she's fine. She um, very very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, likes to draw. <laughs> she um. Like her daddy. Yeah, she's so smart. She's she's very very intelligent and um. Mm-hmm. She okay. reminds she she's just way above her years, and I'm I'm so glad because I was so scared of something you know you know yeah. in her head right you know, right hematoma, and then <laughs> she went in because she had an infection in her toe. It had gotten oh my I guess staff or whatever. And I remember Fallon telling the doctor, yeah, she's a little tough cookie. And I'm thinking, you think? Yeah. So I guess what I'm asking here is being that she suffered these, uh, of course, these injuries, um, you know, very early on in life, would you say that she has fully recovered from those? She has no lasting problems with any of that those issues? None that I can tell. All right, great. She, okay. she looked great. Okay, well, I'm sure the listeners were... Uh, they hear something about that. They think about, you know, long-term effects of that, especially brain injuries, spinal injuries. And uh, I'm, ha- I'm I'm glad that you're telling me at eight years old that she's a, a healthy eight-year-old girl. That's uh, that's that's great news. Okay. So they have that. And did you say that uh, Fallon eventually just owned up to this? That she admitted to doing this? Yes, she did. She admitted to it. Did she ever give she um, a reason why she did that? She claimed that she hit the baby's head on a door frame and that the baby wouldn't stop crying and she shook her. Mm -hmm. That's what she said. Okay. Mm. Okay. Now, we have to remember, though, that this happened in 2013. Right. All right. So this is a full year in in a a month or two before Jake disappeared. Uh, Just to move up into 2014, what was the status of all of this? In the summer of 2014, a year later, what was the status? Where was Naomi? What was Fallon's situation with the law? And where was Jake uh, in relation to all of this? What was going on with that particular situation during the summer of 2014? Um, 
they were all trying to get their dickhead classes he had to finish. Mm-hmm. He was doing that, and he's, he was upset because he was trying to work and still trying to do all this, and it was really hard on him. But and then um, Fallon, she didn't work. <laughs> she got to do it really easy. Mm-hmm. George still had the baby. But in the meantime, um, Fallon was pregnant again. So mm. it put more more on Jake's plate. Right. Okay. So this um, – and her situation with the law – in fact, we were talking about this right before uh, we started this interview – the fact is, is that, at least in my opinion, but I have no experience in this area, in my opinion, she didn't get much of uh, any punishment for what she did to her daughter, did she? No, she got probation. Seven yeah. years probation. And what was the status, being that it was your ex-husband, Jake's father, George, who eventually got custody, what were the rules or laws regarding, uh, at least your understanding of them, that uh, as far as Fallon being able to see her daughter, what, what was the supervision? What were the rules regarding that? Do you know? Yes. Um, George really got to tell Jake and Fallon when they can come and see him. Um, mm-hmm. And that was really awful. Jake had to pay uh, his father $100. Um don't quote me, it was either a week or a month. He had to buy diapers and mm-hmm. clothes. Yeah. I'm not sure what Fallon's was, but it, what was really funny is that George never paid child support, so it was kind of funny. But, uh-huh. um, so Jake had to pay this to him, and he was like, it made him cringe. But it was for his daughter, so, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a story. But what made May Jake, the matter is George would say, okay, yeah, you can come see Naomi on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So Jake was prepared to go on Sunday, but when Sunday got there, he would go, mm, I changed my mind, you can't come, and turn him away. And I guess this goes back to that, what you were saying about uh, Jake and his father not having a very good relationship. Yeah, I mean, okay. that's, that's just a typical George. Okay. Uh, And and I'll ask you something else. I'll ask you something else because I think some of the listeners are going to be thinking this. Uh, Do you think that George was extorting Jake? Like, if you don't pay me that $100, you're not going to get to see your daughter? Do you think that was going on? No. (laughs) No, it wasn't that because Jake would have paid it that just to throw it in his face. Okay. He, He would make sure Jake's not like that. That was just him. That was just him being mean. I mean, he mm-hmm. he would do that to me too. It's just that's just him. Okay. No. All right. So during the summer, I guess going up to the time of Jake's disappearance. So George has Naomi. Fallon has supervised visits. Uh, George, uh, did he get married again? Did he have anybody in his life uh, that was also oh, yeah. taking care of Fallon or taking care of Naomi? Yes, um, he got married again. Um, Josh, not long after we got a divorce, he married um, someone. So they were together a while. Okay. And she took care of Naomi. 
All right. Let's move up uh, to this then. However, the way you've portrayed it to me is though something was going on with the custody and all of that was going to be happening in, what, September of 2014? Maybe you can tell the listeners some court date or something. Jake was trying to do something. Why don't you tell the listeners about that? Well, what it is, you have one year from the time they take the child from you to get everything done. If not, the people who have custody have a chance to legally adopt a child. Mm -hmm. So if you don't do everything that they have listed, then you lose your child. Yeah. So it, it was coming up. That date was coming, and, you know, Jake was just getting, he's supposed to finish everything. You know, I'm trying to work. I'm trying. So when he broke his his foot in his hand, he had some time off. So Jake and I finished some of his courses. And that was a thing in the courtroom when we went for his court date. When I went for his court date, one of the things they tried to say was he didn't finish all his stuff. Mm. And I was like, yes, he did. And luckily, I had a picture of his stuff in my phone. And I said, they said not according to his, um, whatever they give you, that person they give you, you have to report to. Mm. And I said, well, I have it right here. And so they were ready just to throw Jake under the bus completely. And um, he had turned everything in. He was finished. Mm-hmm. But they were all trying to say, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He must have did this because, look, this, this. I said, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. He was the pitcher. He finished everything. I made sure of it. And okay. All right. So, but this court date, what was this uh, upcoming court date? Once again, I have it in my notes that it was going to be two weeks. I'm guessing, once again, so, sometime in mid-September, late September of 2014. What was going to go on there? The custody for Naomi. Fallon was supposed to have her court date for the um, shaken syndrome. Mm-hmm. And then Jake would have be able to get custody for Naomi. From George. And, right, from okay. George. Okay. All right, and that's that. In once again, your understanding, what Jake told you, your understanding of the situation is that was going to be coming up in a couple weeks, but Jake disappeared before that. Right. Okay. All right. So we have that going on. Would you say that, in your opinion, talking to your son, Jake, was he excited about this court date coming up and the possibility of him getting custody of his daughter? Yes. He was getting everything ready. He was getting a new place. He was, you know, trying to get everything ready. He didn't want nothing to stop him. So he he was trying to get everything just completed. So his house and, you know, so he was he was there. All right, but he was living, the thing is, though, he was living with Jeff. I'm guessing that that was going to be changing. Yeah, like, I have in his text messages, it was like, mm-hmm. like within the next few days, that was changed. Okay. So, so Jake, you, had, the way you look at it, Jake was going to be moving out from living with Jeff Taylor 
getting his own place. I, I don't know, maybe moving back with you. I don't know. Was he going to get his own place, or what do you think his plan was? His own place. He had it within the next one, two days. Mm-hmm. He was moving out to Muddy Head. Um, he found a place. He was written from someone. Everything was coming this way. Okay. All right. So I guess what we're saying uh, so far in this, you know, he's getting this business loan. He has uh, this court date coming up where I think it is reasonable to suspect that he might have, you know, gotten custody. I mean, I think a court would rather, um, you know, have, um, you know, the father, not the grandfather, taking care of a child. Surely uh, Fallon was going to probably have a hard time giving her history, being that she owned up to it, and neither you nor Jake, of course, suffered any penalties. You didn't, you know, you didn't get charged with anything. So, um, you know, there's, you know, so I guess what we're saying here is, you had a lot to um, look forward to the rest of 2014. It looked that way, yes, we did. All right, so okay, because I think the listeners who've already looked this up, you know, given the the publicity I did for the episode, they're going to look at this and think about, well, you know, his trucks on this bridge and everything. They're thinking, it, you know, it looks like suicide. I guess what we're saying here is. He had a lot going, positive things going on in his life. Right. Things That's things are going to be getting better within the next couple months. Okay. You've already mentioned it. Let's move on to this. How did Jake break his foot? Um, him and Fallon were arguing. He hit his, his wooden pole outside. It, he kicked it and punched it. It was an argument they were having. Mm-hmm. And when did this happen? How um, did that happen? August of 2014, or what do you remember? It was in August of 2014. It, um, okay. Probably a couple, couple, of, <laughs> couple of days before he went missing. It was. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I can't remember the exact date. That's all right. But, yeah. Just within a uh, you know a few weeks. Right. Okay. Where did this happen? At his trailer. At his trailer, the one that he shared with Jeff. Yes. Okay. And uh, did that get in the way of his work? Uh, what medical attention did he get for his foot? Um, Etc. How did you see his foot? How bad did you think it was? Your opinion? Yes, it did. Um, his I, Jake never cried. He never cried that night that he broke his foot. Um, he called me crying and telling he needed help. Huh. And so I got out my bed and went to find him to give him help. He said Fallon wouldn't take him. And mm-hmm. um. So I, when I seen his foot, it was just huge and black. Wow. And the top of his foot is what he broke. Oh, my. Not not the ankle, not the foot, it was the top. And they were talking about having to do surgery to get it to where it would be straight enough or whatever so he could walk. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't walkable. He put pressure on it. He was just... Excruciating thing. Yeah, yeah. So he, they put him in this. First, it was this little cast thing, and then the doctor. He went to my doctor, and he put him in this boot, and then 
they were going to let it, the swelling go down some and see if they could do, put it and straighten it good enough or if they had to go in there and do surgery and maybe, you know, put some little tender stuff in it to keep it in a level or whatever. And that was our, that was his plan. This thumb that he broke, I mean, they said they had it like in a little cast deal. But, of course, Jack took it off because he said he couldn't use his crutches with it. So mm-hmm. whether that would have yielded or not, who knows. Okay. But so what you're saying, I guess the, the feeling that I'm getting here is that uh, as far as the recovery process for this foot, this is fairly early in the recovery process. He was probably going to have this boot during a cast and use crutches. He was going to be probably doing that well into September. Oh, wow, yes. Okay. Absolutely. All right. All right, so he broke his foot, and um, how was he dealing? I'm obviously having an argument with Fallon. Uh, how how mentally, emotionally would you say, how much did that affect him regarding the broken foot? He was straight. He still went fishing. Okay, well, he still went fishing. It couldn't have been too bad. Okay, that's funny. Okay, good good answer, Tina. Good answer. Okay, uh, let's move on to this. Now, I just want to uh, make sure I understand one thing before we get into the day of his disappearance and what you believe that he did that day uh, and everything. Do you have Jake's cell phone that he was using at the time of his disappearance? Yes. Okay, and how did you get that? Um, I got it from the police department. Okay, they just gave it back to you? Oh, no, I had to fight for it. Okay. All right, well, that makes sense. Okay, uh, how, when did you get it? It took me about um, probably about seven or eight months after Jake's mm. disappearance. Okay. And is the reason that you got it because it had been left in the truck? Right, he'd been left in a truck, and okay. I had to prove it was my property and not Jake's. Okay, so um, so it was your property. Does that mean like he was on your plan, or what does that mean? Yeah, uh, well, it was. Uh, <laughs> I brought it. So this is my phone. I bought it. Mm-hmm. So okay, he gave it back to me. Okay, what what kind of phone is it? Is it a like what we would call an Android phone or an iPhone, being that this is 2014, or is this a flip phone? What is it? No, it's an Android phone. It's it. Jake never broke a phone. I Craig, you go through a million phones. Jake had the same phone forever, and so mm-hmm. it's a simple little Android phone. Mm-hmm. From the it's, from the era of 2014. Okay. All right. We yeah, simple. All right, we will get back to that uh, in a bit. I just want to make sure that we're going to be talking about his phone, phone calls, and texts a little bit later, and we're going to be able to do that because you do have access to his phone and probably his records too. We'll get to that later. Overall, now that we've talked about all these things going on, it sounds like Jake had a lot going on there during the summer of 2014, in fact, going back to 2013. How would you say his demeanor was? How often were you talking to him? How often did you see him in person during the summer of 2014? You know, I seen him off and on. I mean, sometimes I would, 
I lived in Slidell. He lived in Baton Rouge, so I wasn't seeing him as often. And Jake had this thing of calling me at um, 1 o'clock in the morning when he couldn't sleep. <laughs> so huh. we would have our heart-to-heart. Mm-hmm. But um, I would see him every now and then. Okay, would you say that he was in a mentally and emotionally, would you say that he was in a good place? Or, I mean, once again, he got this broken foot. Um, you know, he has this uh, girlfriend, Fallon, who he's arguing with, breaks his foot, has all of the, of course, all of the child abuse stuff that's still hanging over him, even though he was not charged with anything. That's a lot, that's a lot going on for anybody. But how would you say that he emotionally was during the summer uh, of 2014? Okay, was he in a good place? I mean, anybody with that much going on, you know, would have yeah. that stress level. I agree. I mean, I would, you know, I, I would be like, what more can happen, you know? Yeah. But he would call, you know, and say, you know, what what else can I do, Mom? What can I do? How can we do this, you know? I mean, it, it's hard to say exactly what he was thinking, but for him to keep going and keep Okay, mm-hmm. this is my plan next. All right, this is what I got to do next. Mm-hmm. To me, that was a building. You know, he wasn't going to keep building if he wasn't going to keep moving on. Right. It was easy for him to just blow in a towel and say, okay, I quit. I'm not going to work anymore. I'm not doing anything, and I just quit. But he didn't do that. Would you, sure would you say at any time, it, you know, if he was talking to your other two children, I think it's Greg, and and Chelsea, uh, anybody else, maybe friends that were maybe closer to him than Jeff Taylor at any time, did they ever say, you know what, um, you know, Jake's really scaring me with some of the things he's saying, bad thoughts in his head, suicidal thoughts, any of that ever come up, for example, during the summer of 2014? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, not in on any antidepressants. Or anything like that? No, it wasn't. Okay. Uh, And I have to ask this because it's just become a standard question during interviews uh, for Unfound. Did your son Jake have any drug problems? No. None? Okay. He he may have done pot. Mm -hmm. That's all. Okay. Well, we're we're concerned about the harder stuff. Uh, Opioid addiction, heroin addiction. Uh, of course, crystal meth addiction, anything like that? Not that I'm aware of, no. Okay, nothing like that's popped up in the last six and a half years? No. Okay. Uh, as you stated very early in this conversation that you believe his actual disappearance date is August 28th, even though in most places it says August 29th. So let's start here in discussing um, these the, the, the kind of the, the timeline. Let's go starting with August 27th. Um, you have told me that he had dinner with his his I guess his older brother and his grandmother. This grandmother would be that would that be your mother? No, George's mother. George's mother. Not okay. All right. So did he have dinner with them on the 27th? Yes. Yes, he did. Okay. And during that conversation, last six and a half years, has your um, son, I don't know how much you talked to George's mother, but 
Um, has your son ever stated, yeah, after Jake was there, he said he was going to go home, he was going to go fishing, he was going to go to Fallon's. Do you have any information on that re regarding that at all? No. He, he didn't say where he was going. Okay. Now, being that you have his phone, are there any text messages, um, you know, calls on the 27th into the 28th of anybody he was talking to? On the 27th, I got an outgoing text, but I don't have a time on it. Mm-hmm. 27th, I got an outgoing text. Okay. Um, I can't say this on the air. It said, I didn't do a effing thing to you. Mm-hmm. And that's from Jake. And then it's got an incoming text, and it's from Fallon. Mm. I hope she can give you the love and happiness I couldn't. I'm sorry. Good night. And then it's from Fallon again. Mm-hmm. I hope you're finally happy now. And what do, what does that even mean? Did Does that mean that Jake had a new girlfriend? Was he seeing somebody else? No. He says that she, what does she call spazzes, spazzes out. Okay, spazzes out. Okay. That's what he calls her. She says for no reason. She'll just go off. And she always thinks she's cheating. Oh, oh yeah. Um, I went around talking to his friend, trying to mm -hmm. figure out maybe, something. What what could have happened? And um, somebody told me to talk to one of his friends in that drink water. So I did. And... They, Matt told me that they went fishing um, right before this. I don't know the exact date, but this is what it goes from. And Jake left his phone in the truck. Mm -hmm. And you got to remember, Jake's on crutches at this time. Yeah. So Jake left his phone in the truck. He was in the boat with Matt. So when they got back from, from fishing and to the landing... When they got in the truck, Jake had a zillion phone calls from her. Huh. And they were, I mean, his phone was just blown up. Okay. Uh, accusing him of everything. So Jake took a picture of the truck. He took a picture of, of Matt and, you know, just until mm -hmm. so I was left my phone in the car. And so she accused him of everything under the sun. No. Yeah. And just wouldn't take that as an excuse. Okay. So that was the fight. Okay. Do you know if this fishing uh, trip that they went on was before or after Jake had dinner with his grandmother and his brother? Before. Before. Okay. So this is still something that was going on before. And then afterwards, uh, Fallon is sending him these texts. Uh, once again, seems to be implying that uh, Jake had a new woman in his life. Uh do you, you know, I hope she makes you happy, whatever that means. Um, any proof of that? Did Jake have some new woman or was just Fallon just paranoid or was she just making stuff up? I'm paranoid. Jake, whenever um, they were first not supposed to talk to each other, mm -hmm. when all that went on, while we went to Slidell, Jake had started, not started, they had ran to one of his old friends. And it was a girl that he dated in high school. And Jacob may have had only 
a few girlfriends in high school because that's how he was. He wasn't tight to play around. And um, Fallon was jealous of the fact that Jake talked to her. Mm -hmm. So she actually called and threatened the girl. Okay. You've told me that uh, there's proof that Jake had dinner with his grandmother, which would be George's mother, and your son Greg on the evening of August 27th of 2014. However, my understanding is after that, it's hard to kind of pin down who might have seen Jake, who might have not have seen him, but we have all these messages between himself, Fallon, uh, her friend, uh, and other people. I want you, being that you have that information in front of you, just to go through those messages uh, from the evening, which you believe to be after that dinner, until Jake's phone isn't used anymore. Please do that. Okay. Um, on the beginning, on the twenty seventh, it starts off, and it's a fight between Fallon and Jake, and it starts off with Jake. I didn't do you a effing thing to you, mm-hmm. and then Fallon comes on and says, I hope she can give you the love and happiness I couldn't. I'm sorry, good night. Fallon again, I hope you finally, you're finally happy now. Jake, no, but I know you are. You've reached your goal of shoving me away for no apparent reason. Fallon, did you go to your to the hospital to see Connor? And she sends a photo, and then she sends a photo. And no, Jake, that was never my goal. But there's no point now. You said everything you needed to say, and you moved on. I just hope we can be good parents and not fight. Our kids don't deserve that. And then Jake says goodbye. Fallon goes, okay. And then sends him. And Fallon says, I'm sorry we ruined your life. Jake says, you become your mom, and you don't even know it. Started a huge fight with me for going to church with my dad. Because that, your insecurities and trust issues have become too much. And Fallon says, block my number so I won't be able to call you, so I can... Fix my broken heart so you can erase memories so you can be happy. I won't call or text you anymore. We just need to figure out things about the kids. Jake, mm-hmm. go be with whoever you've been with. Bye. And Fallon, haven't been with anyone but Naomi Aylin. So you don't want anything to do with the kids. And Jake, no one said that. Well, I was with no one else but Dad. But like always, you throw me, throw your bits. You don't want a relationship. You don't want a husband. You don't want a family. All you desire is someone to fight with. Fallon, that's really what you think, Jake. I feel sorry for you, really. Wish I could help you overcome your daddy complex. And Fallon, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all my flaws and all my problems. I hope you can find someone who is nothing like me, and you can finally be happy. Jake, I will. Fallon, all right, well, good luck, and I guess this is goodbye, and I will always love you, 
I'm sorry for everything. Jake, you, your apologi apologies mean nothing. Goodbye. Fallon, why do you love to kick someone when they are down? And Jake, ask yourself that question. Fallon, I'm asking you. I already feel low enough and bad enough. And Jake, it's a repeat process, Fallon. You're nice to me until nightfall. Then you become a complete jerk to me. Then you wake up and think about what you said and did and realize how ridiculous you've been. It never changes. You can only bend things so far eventually it breaks. Fallon, I shouldn't yet, I should never, I should have never got in this deep. You were too good to be true and look who, who gets hurt. Look whose heart gets broken into. One billion pieces. One day you swore you'd never hurt me. Now I have to look at two beautiful babies and tell them I'm sorry and I promise to take care of them. I'm going to go to whatever lengths it takes to make sure they have whatever they need. I'm having, I can start tonight. I'm going to drop Connor's seat off at your house today and on my way into town. I'll leave it on the steps if no one is home. Sorry for everything I caused. I'll let you go and you let you be happy. And Jake says, okay. Talon says, are you going to be home in a little while or should I send it with Mona? Jake says, I don't care. Talon says, okay, I'll always love you. And she sends a photo of her and Jake. And uh, she says, let me know when we get he when he gets back, that's the daddy I want my kids to have. I'll just drop it off when you're not there so you don't have to see me. And just call or text me when you want to see Connor. We will be moving soon, so we will need to figure out where to meet and stuff. Jake says he went nowhere. He's been busting his ass, working on his broken foot, trying to get his family a house. And David was going to rent ice trailer in his truck in his park for four fifty. If you never flashed out on me, and you would have known that, Fallon. Well, I'm happy things are looking up for you. Jake was supposed to be for us, but whatever. I never could make you happy, Fallon. You broke up with me, so good. Get it for you and your new love. I'll get me and the kids a house. I'm hoping you to get. I'm hoping to get a job today. Jake said, "Okay." Alan said, "Me and Naomi are getting dressed now to go job hunting. I've got to give them a good life, no matter what. Whatever it takes, I'm prepared to do whatever. And you can't get mad, Jake." You're no concern with me, Fallon. I'm no concern with you. What's that supposed to mean? Okay, I get it. You don't care about me and, and what I do. Thinking about you with someone else to tearing me up and killing me right now. But that's what you want, and you've made that clear, and there's nothing I can do about it. Jake, I don't need anyone. I'll be alone for a long time. Fallon, well, I'm sorry I let you down. How can you afford all that? Jake said, because I work. <laughs> Fallon, okay, it's none of my business. I'm hoping I can start work tonight somewhere and so I can 
get my son what he needs. Jake said, where? Fallon, anywhere that will hire me, don't care where, as long as I make money to support myself and my kids. Any ideas? Okay, guess not. Guess you'll be okay with wherever I work. Jake said, it's whatever. What you mean? Hello? This is Fallon. What you mean, hello? What about the crazy horse? That's a strip joint. Fallon, yes, I'm getting ignored again. And then Jake just quit. All right, let me jump in here because we haven't covered one other thing that I think is important to this is that we talked about Naomi, but there is another child in this, and his name is Connor. All right. Okay, and when was he born? Um, I don't know the exact date, mm-hmm. but um, he was born. He was in NICU whenever Jake went missing. Okay, and uh, at the time, did Jake believe that that was his child? Yes. Is that Jake's child? No. Has a blood test has blood test been proven that that's the case? Yes. Okay, but at the time of Jake's disappearance, do you think he believed that Connor was his child? Oh, absolutely. Okay. The sheet she's talking about bringing back to him. Mm -hmm. I had. I had brought to him because that seat was a $300 seat. Jake liked drifting. Like I tell you, he liked cars, mm. but it was drifting. So he had bought this um, race seat, car seat, like, and it was $300. He paid for it. And that's the seat she's talking about. Okay. All right. So we have that going on, and you had set a toxic relationship, I think, to people here, what you just read for those few minutes there, and... That's about as toxic as toxic. It's total passive aggressiveness between both of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And just so our understanding is correct, though all of that conversation took place during the evening slash night of August 27th, 2014. And yes, and 28th. All right, into the 28th. Okay, into the 28th. And I don't think there's any doubt in listening to that 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 was actually Jake sending those messages between Fallon and Jake. Okay. Right. So so after that, when that finally ended, this back and forth, um, them going at each other, uh, once again, pa- very passive-aggressive, pushing each other's buttons, um, what are the conversations after that into the 28th? What can you uh, – you know, um, anything else that you believe comes from Jake going into the 28th? We obviously, once again, know that – those messages are from Jake. Are there any other messages that you have in your possession that after that that you believe are from Jake? Um, uh, no. All right. Why is that? Why do you why do you believe uh, that none of the messages after those ones are from Jake? It's not his way of speaking. Okay, and who are those? If you could talk about the messages on the twenty eighth, who are those conversations with? Fallon. Fallon to Fallon. All all with Fallon. Uh-huh. Yeah, Fallon, right. and then 
um, and Ramona. Her friend, Ramona. And one to Dave bring you. Okay. And who is who is Dave? Um, Dave Spring, that was the boss that had called him to do the job. Okay. And what happened there? Um, did did um, Jake ever get back to his boss? Did he ever call him back? No, he never called him. Um, there was a text message sent to him saying, I was fishing, don't get didn't get your text until just now. Mm-hmm. Jake would never have actually texted him. Jake would have called him and said, where was the job? I didn't get it to now. Is, do you still mm-hmm. need me? Jake would have never just texted me. Okay. And what time of day was that that his boss contacted him on August 28, 2014? Um, David had called him, asked him if he could meet the guy at 1.30 the world. And then he called him. He had called him at eleven fifty four, eleven fifty eight, at twelve fifty, at one ninety. Mm-hmm. And then at three fifty six, Jake supposedly Jake messaged him. Okay, so Jake never dialed his number; just texted him back after his boss called him five times. Right. Okay. Right. Now you said that there there are also conversations with Fallon. Would you? you I'm not going to ask you to read them, but would you say that the tone of those conversations back and forth are the same tone as the one that you just read there for a few minutes? Absolutely not. What would you say the tone is of those messages? Two people who like each other. (laughs) Okay, so they're the opposite of what you what we just heard before. Yes. Okay. All right. So something I think it's reasonable to think that something went on between all those messages you just heard very two people at each other's throats and then later on the 28th when they're talking again and they're being nice to each other. Exactly. All right. And once again on top of that, uh his boss is calling Jake and he's not calling him back. So and on top of that, uh, nobody sees uh, Jake on during the day of August 20th except for your ex, George, who claimed uh, what? That Jake came over to his house or something? Yes, he came over to get a trolling motor. Okay. All right. So there's all of that. So there's something that went on, I think it's reasonable to say, um, on August 28th, as you brought up earlier in this conversation. Um any proof, yes or no, that Fallon and Jake saw each other after those mean messages that they had between them? No. Okay. Has Fallon ever come forward to explain why they went from being at each other's throats to being nice on the 27th to being nice each to each other on the 28th? No. Did he – for example, did she ever say, you know what? We had this back and forth, both of us losing our minds. Jake actually showed up uh, at my place, and we talked these things out and kind of kissed and made up. Has she ever said anything like that in the last six and a half years? No. Okay. She's never said anything like that. Okay. All right, so thank you for all of that. I know that was a little laborious for all the listeners, but 
Um, thank you for reading all of that. But I just wanted to give everybody a little bit of a tone of the relationship between uh, the two. Uh, very not you know hours before he disappeared. All right, your perspective. Uh, when did you know something wasn't right regarding Jake, uh, and that uh, you know he he was went missing? Um, did you try calling Jake maybe on the twenty eighth or anything like that into the twenty ninth? When was the first time that you figured out, and how did you figure this out that something wasn't right regarding Jake? No. George called my house at 6 a.m. on the 29th okay. and told me that um, Jake jumped from the bridge. Wow. I um, don't remember much after that. I think I'm I sure. fell screaming. Mm-hmm. I told him it wasn't funny and, you know, whatever, and he yeah. just loves to see me upset, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just didn't believe it. And that day, they had to bring me to the hospital and give me medicine. But Mm -hmm. after I actually got my thoughts together and said, no, something's not right. I have to go down there. And I did. And I'm glad I did because I caught so many people and so many tales. It was not funny. All right. Well, we're just going to stick to the facts and figures and, and, and statistics and everything. We're not going to talk about tells. All right, we're just going right, to go right. by what you heard, what you saw, what police told yes. you, et cetera, and things like that. Okay, so yes. that's how you found out. Your ex, George, calls you at 6 in the morning on August 29th of 2014 to tell you that uh, it seems that Jake uh, jumped from this bridge uh, on the I-10 bridge. Now, what have you learned? What is the story? I'm not saying we believe this, but the official story um, just – Somebody saw him on the bridge, saw his truck. Please go through all of that, if you could. Supposedly, somebody, a big truck, was coming up the bridge and said that they seen a truck on top of the bridge and that they called 911 and said they seen a truck on top of the bridge with the lights on and it looked kind of spooky that they needed to get somebody up there. Mm-hmm. And so that was that. I think it was 245 or 246. And then the next call came in about four or five minutes later, and it came back and said, you need to get somebody up here because one truck radioed the other truck saying that they just saw somebody jump over the bridge. And Hmm. ironically, those two numbers were one of the same. Okay, we're not going to get in, we're not going to get into that right at this point. Um but so some two people called 911 saying they saw a truck on the bridge and allegedly one of those people saw somebody jump off the bridge. Uh didn't see them. So there's somebody mm-hmm. else seen them but told them and they radioed it in. Okay. So these uh people are calling it in saying that there's a truck on the bridge on the I-10 highway and that uh, there's a truck there and it looks like somebody might have um, jumped off the bridge, truck parked on the bridge. Now, we should know, and I will show this, I will be doing a video for this uh, episode, that there's no um, pull-off lane on the bridge. It's just highway. So if a truck's 
parked on the bridge, it's in an actual lane that cars would use, correct? Right, right. Okay. Um, just I need to ask you some very specific questions here, Tina. In either of those calls, and I know you have some suspicions about those calls, and we will, I will gladly get into those with you. Did any of these calls actually say they saw somebody jump off the bridge? That they actually saw? Yeah, no. yes. No. So nobody actually stated, I saw a guy jump off the bridge. No. Okay. How far is that bridge from where Jake lived or would have gone fishing, for example? How far? About... 25 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that, 20, 25 minutes. Okay. And what you understand about your son's life, uh, did he have to go across that bridge very often? Was he familiar with that bridge? What would you say? No, he lived on the opposite side of town. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't have been on that bridge. He would have went over the old bridge to get by his house. Okay, so what you understand is he would have generally no reason, of course, unless he was planning on committing suicide, which is what it looks like. I'm not saying I believe that. I'm not saying anybody has to believe that. But uh, to your knowledge, he would have no other reason to be going over that bridge. No, nope, unless he was going to West Baton Rouge. Okay. Um, when these people, these calls came in, did anybody bring up anything about Jake and his crutches? Okay. And these people, the way you understand it, if we're to believe these calls, um, was Jake's vehicle on the eastbound or westbound side of the bridge? Westbound. Westbound. So on the, I guess, the more northern uh, side of the bridge. And these people who called this in, were they going eastbound or westbound? They say, for what one they going, said. One was going westbound and one was going eastbound. Okay, we'll come back to that. I think it's important for to remember that. How quickly, once again, I realize you didn't find out this until 6 a.m. on August 29th. So, and this is happening very, very early on August 29th. Um, so several hours, you know, four, maybe four hours after allegedly this happened. Did the police, your understanding, did the police respond to this very quickly? How did they handle this truck being on the bridge with these calls coming in, what did the police do to your, what is your understanding? Well, according to one police report, they were on the bridge before any 911 calls came in. Huh. Yeah, that was kind of weird to me. But, um, mm -hmm. they, they had to be on there pretty quick, within minutes. The, Bridge, if there's a truck stalled on it at yeah. all, yeah. it backs up really, 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 really quick. I bet. And for no one to call it in besides a big truck is really odd. Uh, for no one to stop, I guess you'd say, to see a truck stop like that on the bridge or if anybody's yeah. seen anyone get out. But they were there pretty quick. Okay. And please explain what you mean about how uh, there might have been already a police officer or somebody on the bridge even before these calls came in. How do you know that? What does that mean? I have the police report, and from um, going by the police report mm -hmm. and going by the 
the time that the truck was found and the 911 calls were made, mm-hmm. it is the police report was said that the cops were on the on the bridge before the 911 calls mm-hmm. came in. All right. So we might imagine an ideal situation where the truck's there and maybe a, a state cop or somebody just was going on the bridge on his patrol and came across the truck. Could be. Could be. All right, that's one possibility. We're not saying that happened, but that could explain it. Um, what did the police find uh, when they got to his truck? What was there? What was missing besides Jake? Um, his wallet was gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he didn't have his cr- his crutches wasn't there. Okay. Uh, those are only two things really missing: his cell phone and everything, his cigarettes. Everything was still in there. Okay, and you had told me uh, about this trolling motor. You already mentioned this trolling motor. Is this a different trolling motor from the one that you said earlier that somebody had given him? Oh yeah, this, this is the trolling motor his father had lent him. Supposedly. Okay. Uh, how long, to your knowledge, I know you didn't have a, a relationship with George. How long do you think Jake had this trolling motor um, before uh, he miss, went missing? It, he just borrowed it, from my knowledge. Uh, and actually, I did speak to George, and he actually told me Jake had just borrowed a trolling motor. Mm-hmm. Because um, he had my stepdad had contacted George and asked George to go with him to check out spots that if he, Jake did jump, this is where bodies would go. Okay. Well, all right. I'm just asking you about the trolling motor. Let's just concentrate yeah. on the trolling motor. When you say that he just got the trolling motor, what does just got mean? Like within hours? No, within days. Like like okay. if he really went there at 8 o'clock that night to mm. get the trolling motor. Yeah. Okay. Excuse me? I said if he did go there at 8 o'clock, that would have been the correct time. Okay. So Jake has this trolling motor in the back. Do you have any idea whether he actually used it for fishing or not? Well, there was no battery in the boat, so if he used it for fishing, Mm -hmm. uh, he misplaced the battery. Okay. So we have the phone, which you eventually got back. We've already talked about that. You have these messages. We have this trolling motor, but what's missing is Jake and his wallet. Right. All right. Any uh, any other things in the truck? Uh, you said it, did, was he a smoker? You said cigarettes were in there. Right. Yeah. He had um, like three packs of cigarettes he had just bought. Mm-hmm. I mean, his truck was filled with gas. Yep. It, Okay. Okay. Was the river ever searched? Yes. They sent divers down. They um, did sonar. I mean, they called out the the um, boat to dredge. I mean, they moved the barges. Mm-hmm. They did everything they were supposed to do, mm-hmm. and nothing was ever found. Okay. Have the police in the last six and a half years ever given you an idea of how long they think the truck was on there on that bridge before it was discovered? No. Um, No, not at all. Okay. 
All right, so it looks like Jake may be, you know, distraught over the relationship he's having with Fallon, even though there's text on the 28th saying they were getting along again. He's not calling his boss back. Maybe he's depressed about something. He has a lot going on in his life. We've already covered all that. And it looks like he drove his truck to this bridge and jumped. That's what it looks like. All right, so let's move on to, and the police search, they don't find any signs of uh, anything of his in the river, and we've gone through all of that. So let's move on to the rest of the information. We're going to get into this a little deeper. Now, let's go talk about uh, Jake's place where he was living with Jeff. You've told me that it looked like it had been damaged. Please explain how did you find all that out. Well, the next day I went there. Um, to Jeff's house because I wanted to hear from Jeff and mm -hmm. I wanted to see Jake's room. And Jeff let me in and it was me, my brother, and my ex-husband, not my recently ex-husband. Okay. Um, we went in there and we went back there. Jake's TV was gone. His guns were gone. There were holes in the wall. The boot that was supposed to be on Jake's foot was in his room. I mean, he had a few clothes in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, but that's it. And so I asked Jeff, I mean, what, did you hear anything? What was going on? Jeff says he was sleeping. He didn't hear nothing. I said, oh, come on, Jeff. You know, I mean, this trailer's small. It's a tin can. And that's all he said. I didn't hear anything. And that's what he said. I didn't hear anything. So Jeff is claiming he has no uh, explanation for things being missing, the damage, nothing. Nothing. He said he didn't hear nothing. That's all he told me. I need to talk to Fallon. That's what he said. I need to talk to Fallon. Yep. He said that the day after, so August 30th, I guess this would be, of 2014, you show up at Jake's place. Jeff is there. He has no explanation for what you see. And then on top of that, he says – you got to talk to Fallon. Yep. You need to talk to Fallon. And did you talk to Fallon? Yes, I did. And what did and she What did she say about why Jeff would have told you to talk to her? Did she have any idea why he would say that? Yeah. She told me some um some crazy story well, about Well, we're not going to call it crazy. You just say what she said. What did she say? Did she say something about Jake that you don't want to say on the air? Yes. All right. Well, let's leave it at that. So, And she claims that because of that is the reason that all of that stuff was damaged? All right. Okay. Uh, but did she give any explanation for uh, the TV being missing or any of that? Not a word. No. Did she give any explanation for why the boot that should have been on uh, Jake's foot to protect his broken foot was not on his foot anymore? Um, she said he was running without it. Okay. Which is impossible. Okay. So she came up with this story, a story, of course, that we you don't want to mention on the air, a story that you don't believe. Um. Right. And so Jeff, as Jeff, 
uh, at the time, did he? How did he find out that that Jake was missing, and did he ever offer up an explanation? Did he ever offer up a theory? No, never. Okay. When you showed up there on that day of August 30th, did he seem surprised that Jake was missing, or had he found out some other way? No, he wasn't surprised. But when I got there, it wasn't just Jeff there. There was two other guys there, mm-hmm. and um, when I walked in and I told him I wanted to hear about Jake. What happened? The other two guys go, what What you mean what happened to Jake? And when Jeff told them that Jake jumped on the bridge, they they went ballistic. They just like, else no, uh-uh. No, Jake would never do something like that. They just went crazy. And they, they left off the trailer. And okay. so they were in non-belief. And okay. that's when Jeff... So uh, it wasn't just me that went, oh, there's no way. Mm-hmm. Do you know who these two other guys are? I don't, and I wish I would have got to know. I, I just know one was an African-American guy and one was a white guy, and I have no idea who either one of them were. All right, and Jeff in the last six and a half years has never told you who they are? No, I only spoke to Jeff one other time since this happened. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll get into and we'll get into that in here in, here in a moment. So, Jeff somehow found out that Jake uh, went off the bridge, but it wasn't you who told him. No, I never told him. All right, do you have any idea who did tell him? No, I don't. Okay, uh, that's very interesting. I wonder how he found right. out. Okay, so and then he says, "Go talk to Fallon." You talk to Fallon. She gives you some story that you don't believe that we don't want to get into on the air for privacy reasons. Um, you know, it seems to me everybody's telling you to talk to somebody else and nobody has a, a straight story. Um, now you just stated that, um, you only spoke to Jeff one other time after this. And when was that? And what did Jeff say? It was about... Four years ago. Okay. Four and a half years ago. Sure. Um, I went, we were searching this um, recess pond that was next to the trailer park where Jake lived. Um, we had bought some dogs out, actually, to, to make sure, you know, I mean, that was right there. So why not check it? And um, I was looking for Jeff. Well, I actually found him. They told me that he, which trailer he lived in. He actually lived in the trailer that um, was right behind where him and Jake lived because somebody burnt down Jake's trailer. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, right? Okay. And um, so Jeff told me, he says, please, Miss Tina, I have a family now. Please. And I took it as, don't get me in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't do this now. So. Okay. Now, here's the important part. Where is, once again, this is Jake's former roommate, the guy that he was kind of friends with, the guy that he was living with uh, at the time of Jake's disappearance, the guy who said go to talk to Fallon, the guy who really did not give much of an explanation for anything. Where is Jeff Taylor now? He's in jail. And why is he in jail? He killed his baby. It was shaken baby syndrome. 
So the same thing that Fallon got in trouble for, although she never did any time, Jeff did the same thing, and and he is now currently, as of August twenty fourth, twenty twenty one, in jail. Yes, sir. All right, that's nice. Okay. Um. So, and do you have any idea how long Jeff's going to be in jail? No, I don't. Okay. How would you say, being that you did get to speak to Fallon shortly after this, and once again she said something that we're not going to mention on the air, how how would you portray her reaction to Jake's disappearance? Nonchalant. Like, it happened, okay, we got to mm-hmm. get on, let's see what's next, kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. And I uh, different. Than I would, than I did, you know. Did you ever see see her shed a tear over Jake's disappearance? No, okay. I haven't. All right. Did you did Fallon? Uh, you talked about some. You just talked about a search that occurred in the last six and a half years. Has Fallon ever taken part in any searches for Jake? No, no one has. Okay. Um. Has she ever accounted for her time? Of course, we know these texts on the 28th that were nicey-nicey between the two of them. But has she ever offered up her own theory as to did she believe that Jake jumped off the bridge? She never said. All right. She, she, To your knowledge, saying it to you, she's never uh, stated a theory regarding Jake's disappearance. No. She hasn't. Okay. That's all that's all I care about is what she said to you and you've she certainly had enough chances over the last six and a half years to say so. Okay. We're gonna come back to her as you would the listeners would probably guess in a little bit, but we're gonna have to cover some other things. I uh, kind of alluded to this in your discussion of the nine one one calls. Um there's something strange about those nine one one calls, isn't there? Very all right, why don't you explain to the listeners why they are strange? Um, they both came from the same phone number. Um, mm-hmm. And um, one of their voices I recognize. You re- actually recognize, you've gotten to hear, I guess what you're saying is you've actually gotten to hear the 911 calls. Yes, yes, I have. Do you have the recordings of them personally? Yes. All right, okay. And you think you recognize one of the voices? Yes, I believe I do. Okay. All right, well, all you can say is you think you recognize one of the voices, and so we, we can certainly talk about that if that's what you believe. Uh, who do you believe, who does that person sound like? You don't. If you don't want to give a name, that's fine. But why would you happen to recognize this this voice? Some of the words that he that they say is mm. words, and that this particular person would say, and the way they would say it, the mm-hmm. the way the person talks, the way the pauses that mm-hmm. they make and the cough 
that they have, it all adds up to the same person that I believe it is. And you don't want to give that person's name on the air? Not on the air. Okay, that's just fine. for my safety. Okay, that's totally fine. Uh, but if you can say why is it, uh, can you even say why you even know this person? It, it's within a within the family. It is okay. All right. So you believe that this one person uh, that called nine one one sounds like somebody you know who you have reason to know how this person sounds. Right. Okay. What about the other voice? That voice is not familiar to you. Not at all. Okay. I don't know the other voice. But uh, but the thing is, as you stated, you have proof that both of these number these calls came from the same number. Yes. And even though the voices are different. Right. Wow. Okay. Um. All right. Uh, that is that's a little confusing. And how did you get that information, the recordings, and all this information where the the calls came from? How did you get that, Tina? Uh, Homeland Security. They gave me a copy of the a transcript of the calls and the disc from the nine one one calls. Okay, and I, unfortunately, I still yet to hear those. I would certainly like to hear those, uh, Tina, before this episode comes out. Maybe we can make that happen. Um, now. On top of this, and I, I think this is a spectacular on your part, being that you thought that you knew uh, one of these people on this uh, recording, you actually tracked one of the callers down. Yes. Okay, and once again, I'm not asking you for any names or anything like that, but you got this person's phone number and called this person, and what happened? I asked them if they drove a big truck, and they said, yes, they did. I said, do you remember a night where you seen somebody sitting on a bridge, jumping off a bridge? And he says, I don't know what you're talking about, and he hung up on me. When you called him, did you identify yourself? Did you say, I'm Jake, uh, Jake's mother? No, I didn't. I just... Okay. I didn't want you to pick up on me right away. <laughs> I wanted <laughs> well, to at least give me something. That's an interesting point of view because I would say had you said that, maybe if this guy had done this, you know, if you'd identified yourself, maybe he would have been less likely to hang up. You know, I, I don't. I guess we'll never know now. Maybe. Uh, but when did this happen? How long after uh, Jake's disappearance did you do this? Um, the minute I got these paper, um, I. Maybe nine months, nine, ten months after. Okay. As soon as I got my hands on this paper, mm-hmm. and I researched that phone number that they told me could not be, that phone number could not be traced. Yeah? Yes, it could. As soon as I traced it and found the phone number, got a name, first thing I did was call it. Okay. Uh, does this person, uh, I'm guessing it's a guy, does he live in the area of where Jake disappeared, yeah. in the Baton Rouge area? In Port Allen, West Baton Rouge. Okay, so very close. 
uh, to that. And have once he hung up on you that one time, have you ever attempted to call him again? No, I never called him again. Okay. And would you say that when you called this guy, is this the guy that you recognized his voice, or was this the other guy? No, the other guy. The other guy. The, this was the voice of the person you didn't recognize that you called. Yeah, I didn't recognize that voice. Okay. What about the name, the voice that you did recognize? Did you ever happen to try to call that person once again? You do not have to na name his name. But did you ever attempt to talk to him and say, hey, was this you that called this in? Did you ever do that? No, I actually wanted to compare the two. So mm -hmm. I did call them and record it so that I could compare the two together to see if I'm just – it's all in my head. You yeah. Know? So I did do that, and they did a uh, um, – what they – they compared the two to see if they were one and one. Mm -hmm. And came back and pretty much so. All right. So what you're saying is you actually had a professional analyze the voices like through the computer or something, and this person says that the voices are the same. The person you knew and the caller from 911 are the same person. Yes. That is this, per this is this scientist's opinion. Can you say who this person is? Who that did this uh, comparison for you? Peter Hyatt. Okay, so people can look him up. All right. So, but you personally though have never talked to the in six and a half years you've never talked to this person about hey was that you that called in this call you've never done that. No, no, no. Okay. Never. All right. Do you think that this person suspects that you think he called to not not called nine one one? Oh yeah, he he knows I said it. I'm sure because okay. I know Craig probably went back and said something. Okay, so um, just to, to to make this clear though, uh, for example, this is not when you say this is a voice you recognize. You're not saying that this was your ex-husband Greg's voice. Oh no no no. Okay, all right. Then we're just gonna rule him out. Okay. Okay, so we uh we, we've talked about that. So the nine one one calls that does sound kind of weird. Two calls from the same number, but two different voices, and um, not sure what to make uh, of that. All right. Um, now once again, you have Jake's phone, but did you also tell me that you there were some recordings uh, from Jake's phone about? Something about somebody get off of me or something. Did you tell that to me at one point? No, it was actually on the same. The, when they gave me the disc for the 911 calls, yeah. they didn't realize that they gave me everything. They gave me all the 911 calls from like the 27th um, till day after the 29th. Uh, mm -hmm. They gave me all the them talking, all the dispatchers talking, the wow. police talking wow. back to the dispatchers. I mean, they gave me everything. So I got to hear everything that was said, and it was heart-wrenching. I bet. All right, so what you're saying, you you heard a lot of calls that had nothing to do with Jake's disappearance. had a heart, yeah. I had a lot that had uh, nothing okay. to do, but they had one that came through. And if you listen to it, at first it was like 
the background noise was so loud that it was hard to hear it. So you had to take some of the background noise out mm-hmm. and listen. And it said, it was like, get off of me. And it, you could hear it. And it was like, oh mm-hmm. my Lord, that sounds like Jake. But the 911 oh. people never called that number back. So mm-hmm. we did, don't know. We'll did, never know. <laughs> did they? Uh, well, six and a half years ago. Do you think you could go in and find out what number that call came from that said "Get off of me"? If you thought it sounded like Jake. I don't know. I don't know. Never actually tried. Okay. Well, there's a, okay. There's a thought. So they gave you all these recordings, and what you're saying and listening to all these recordings, which again, most of them have nothing to do with Jake's disappearance, but there was one in there that you thought. Man, that kind of sounded like Jake. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's move back to uh, the custody issue. Uh, once again, we've already established there's Naomi who uh, was shaken, and then there was Connor who was in ICU at the time of Jake's disappearance. And we've covered that Jake believed at the time that that was his son, but it wasn't. It was some other guy's uh, son. Who was the father of Connor, can you say? Uh, Lance Gojay. And who's he? Um, one of Fallon's ex-boyfriends. Okay. Uh, uh, I guess they reunited. I, I guess so. Uh, do you believe so, – so going back to those messages on late on the 27th that you read off for, for a few minutes there, this very toxic relationship as you've portrayed it. Um, do you think at the time that they were arguing that Fallon knew that Connor was not Jake's son? Absolutely. All right. Do you think I that, believe it all. Do you think that that was your – once again, your opinion? Now, we don't know this for a fact, but in your opinion, you think that, that Fallon perfectly knew that Connor was not Jake's, but she was going to try to guilt Jake with Connor anyway? Yes. Okay. Who so Jake's in, uh, so Connor's in ICU. Who has custody of Naomi at the time of Jake's disappearance? Jake's dad, George. Okay, can you explain? I know we've talked about this a couple times already, but because this might be important, how did he get custody of Naomi? Why wasn't it Fallon's mother? Or I guess it couldn't be you because. You know, they were looking at you being that this happened in your home. I get that. How did he end up with – that seems like an odd choice. I I really don't know. (laughs) I did not think he would get – would pass the the papers you have to fill out. Mm -hmm. And and I honestly didn't believe Stalin's mother would either, so – Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't got it. I figured there would have been enough under his name that there would be no way they would give that baby to him. And All right. <clears throat> so, in your opinion, uh, but so, in your opinion, he once again the way you knew him, you think that he was a very bad choice to take care of Naomi. Right. All right, and we have to remember. I mean, he's the grandfather, so and she's. You know, Naomi's like a year, you know, a year old or something. Right. Right. I mean, 
She was only three months old when they took her. Okay. So she was still a baby. Wow. She was a year old. I mean, she wasn't going to be a year old mm-hmm. until, you know, almost time for them to get her back. Okay. She was just a baby. And I know with my children, she wouldn't keep them by her by herself. Yeah. So I guess it was all on Sandy. I don't know. All right, let me ask you this. When it turned out that George got custody of Naomi, uh, did Jake ever express to you uh, his disbelief, uh, his sadness, whatever else, regarding uh, George getting custody? What did Jake say to you about it? He, at first, it was like he was half and half, you know, okay, I'm glad – she has a place to go other than someone else's home. And then it got, he was worried. I'm worried. Because then George started doing the, um, Jake would show up and, oh no, I decided you can't come today. Mm-hmm. Get away. You know, go home. And when he started that, then it reminded Jake of things he used to do to me. Mm-hmm. And then the things he used to do to them. And then he would get scared, you know. So, it, it brought back memories, and as sure. it brought back memories, they get a little bit more nervous and a little more nervous, and so that's when it became a, a real problem when Jake got nervous about him, her being there. Let me ask you this: being that there was also another son, a uh, son that came into this who was who was uh, in ICU uh, at the time of the disappearance, who had custody of Connor. Um, the father has custody of Connor. All right. So right. Fallon, once again, could not have custody of the own, her own baby that she had. No, she ended up going to jail. Oh, she did. Um, she's out now, but mm. she went to jail for a while. Um, I don't know if it's because she broke probation mm-hmm. or drugs or what the deal was. But she did go back to jail. All right, so they gave her a light sentence, but she did something while on probation that got her in trouble that they eventually sent her to jail. Right. All right, but jail was not the sentence she got for abusing Naomi or the shaking incidents. No, not at all. Okay. So the the father, um, you know, then then I start thinking. Well, if it wasn't known at the time that this other guy was the father, how did he get custody of Connor? Well, Fallon brought him home from the hospital mm-hmm. and kept that little while. My mom is the one who took care of him, like whenever she went to work and stuff, oh. and while they stayed here. And that, that's why it's long, a while ago. How long did they stay here? Right. Well, I'm asking about Connor. I'm talking about Connor. Yeah, that's who I'm talking about, Connor. And um, wow. So mom care Connor and all while they were here. So after Jake's disappearance, your mother was taking care of Connor. They all, yeah. Fallon, wow. Connor, and Naomi came here, and she was taking me on when Fallon would go to work and stuff. Connor was here, mm-hmm. and mom took care of him. Uh, I, you know, and I think the listeners can read between the lines. You'd think that Fallon at least knows what happened to Jake. 
I don't think that's uh I don't think that uh you know I think any listener can read between the lines. How'd you feel about Fallon being in your house after Jake disappeared and having suspicions of her? I I don't I don't know. I I was in shock still about everything and then felt mm-hmm. responsible for the kid. I didn't realize that wasn't Jake's child. Yeah. You know. Right. I thought Jake's kid, what was I going to do? You know, how was I going to take care of him? I was working. Yeah. You know, I got a job. I work for NASA. I cannot be thinking about all this stuff while I'm trying to throw stuff to put in space and knock and kill people, you know? Right. I, I couldn't. And then here I have these two precious kids, and what am I going to do? So the only one I could turn to was my mom. Yeah. You know, right, right. Uh, I was put in a place that I didn't know where to go. Okay. So. All right. So very complex. And at some point after Jake disappeared, it was determined through a blood test. Why did that even come about that there was a blood test done on Connor for, uh, I guess that would be paternity? Why was that done? I have, I have no earthly idea. I learned about it on Facebook. Okay. All right, so you weren't even a party to that. Okay. No. All right, now we had talked about this court date uh, that was going to happen in September where you know Jake was uh, trying to get custody of his daughter, Naomi. Uh, what happened being that Jake went missing? Fallon uh, ended up with the custody. They said she completed everything she needed to complete, and she only had probation, and so she could have her baby back. Okay. So it went back to, and how did George, how do you think George felt about that? George and Fallon has a good relationship. Okay. Yes, he's fine with it. Okay. Um, let's. Do you think, uh, once again, any proof that George would have had a problem if Jake uh, got custody of Naomi instead of George having custody? I guess what I'm asking you, if you could read into your ex-husband's mind, George, who do you think he would who he would think who who do you think he would rather have custody of Naomi, Fallon or Jake? I really uh, can't, I can't, can't answer say. that one. Okay. All right. Let's move on yeah. to this. You received an anonymous letter at some point. When did you get it and what did it say? Oh, I got that one. Oh, my gosh. And 20... 2015? Uh, I think it's 2016. I got it, and it talked about um, having a – there was a bit in where Ramona lived in this trailer park. There was a new pile of dirt that was put on the side of her trailer park, on her side of her trailer. And the person who wrote this anonymous letter said that 
we needed to check it that they believe there might be something in there. Hmm. Did you, uh, did that ever get done? Did everybody check that? This year, someone finally did, and they said there was nothing there. Okay. Was this a letter that was mailed to you? It was mailed to um, a PI that I had working for me at the time. Okay. I will ask you about him in a moment. She got this letter, maybe 2016, uh, was eventually checked out, nothing to it. All right. All right, because I had my notes that this was a trailer park where where it said Fallon's mother lives. Is that not correct, or is that correct? That's right. No, that's correct. All right. She was there. Okay. Did you give that letter to the police? What did they think about it? You will laugh, I'll tell you this. Um, when I went back to Cook, who I thought was my main detective for the first five years, when I sat down with him being so happy I finally had an interview with him, I um, found out that he told me he wasn't my detective mm-hmm. for five years. Well, I handed him this letter. I said, but look, this was given to me. This was mailed to my PI. I, I, you know, I need to hand this over. This is evidence. And he handed it back to me and told me, couldn't take it. I'm like, where, where, where am I? I've been at the Twilight Zone. What do, you, what do you mean? I just gave you something that's just... It says that my son may be here, and you just handed it back to me. It's like I told him where a missing dog was, and he might want to go check and see if that's really him. Mm-hmm. I felt so humiliated. Yeah. So he didn't take it seriously. Didn't want anything to do with no. it. Not at all. Okay. Now... You actually had, um, you of course created Jake's page, and you actually had a problem with a couple people, a couple of women on there uh, being trolls. Why don't you tell the listeners about that, how that all got started, and it turned out who were they? Yeah, they had um, two two women that got on there and told me that I really needed to go on and um, get those 911 calls. And that I would really, that that it would explain all. I would know that Jake jumped from the bridge, and they would start arguments. And I would say, you know, you really need to leave me alone. Mm-hmm. No, you need to realize that your son jumped from the bridge and quit ignoring it, and da da da. And I was like, who are these people? So I first found out that they were friends of Fallon. Secondly, I found out that they were actually dispatchers. At the at the police station, oh, that were actually dispatched. So I went back to the police or to the dispatch station where I got I call it Homeland Security, and told them I said, "This is what's going on. Do you realize what they did?" And I told them this is actually against the law. You know, and mm-hmm. they needed to reprimand it. He said he would do it. You know, he would do something and. I don't know if he ever did, if ever didn't, but I tr- I went even above him and tried to get something done. I could not believe that these women could actually go on there, give this kind of 
information and actually torment mm. people on there. <laughs> it was crazy. And it, they were, t- and the, most importantly, they were two friends of Fallon's. Right, right. You know. <laughs> so they're trying to push the idea that you know you just need to understand, you need to get over this, and Jake jumped off that bridge, and don't you understand, and everything else. Right, right. I just need to get over the facts and realize and quit, quit mm-hmm. denying it. My son jumped on the bridge. Like, okay. wow. Did uh, you finally get? Uh, did these uh, two women finally go away? Did they finally uh, get reprimanded, or, or or what ended up happening there? They supposedly did. They never bothered me again. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I didn't receive an apology or anything, but they did leave me alone. They did stay off my page, and hopefully mm. they'll ne- never do that to anyone else. Right. Because okay. I did go above. I went one above dead off because it was ridiculous. Okay. You mentioned you had a private investigator for a while. Was that any help at all? No. Zero? <laughs> Not at all. Okay. We're not going to mention his name, but how long uh, was he? Did you put him uh, in, in, you know, for responsibility of trying to figure anything out? Um, how long did he do that? And uh, what can you tell about the listeners about that experience? Um, it probably was about three years, and I. Honestly, believe he did it for the publicity, mm-hmm. so he could have his name on the billboard. Yeah, that happens. I I, 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 mean, I would tend to agree with you. Every time I would ask him what's going on with Jake, he would say, "This person, he's working on this person," and you you realize I'm doing yours pro bono and da da da, and I'm like. So you're just telling me that my son's not as important as the rest of your cases. Mm. You know, that's not right. When is my son finally going to get priorities or something? You know, I'm not paying for it, but at least your, your name's being, his mm. business crippled. Yeah. But my son, but I wasn't paying him anything. But your business tripled. You know, it, yeah. it, that's not fair. That happens a lot. I can't. I can't say it enough. The listeners, I think, for the most part, know how I feel about uh, private investigators. And what you're stating is something that a lot of other people have experienced. The same exact thing. Yeah, you have to be careful because they do. They take advantage of you so yeah. quick. Okay. Let's move on to one more item, uh, and it's kind of something maybe that has gotten uh, lost in the mix of. I mean, a ton of information here. Uh, but at the time of Jake's disappearance, uh, once again, you said that his boot was in, uh, found the next day, August 30th at his place. We talked about that. Um, but the crutches were not found at his place, were they? No. Were the crutches found in his truck? Nope. So the crutches along with Jake were still missing and I, I think people would say well it's hard to believe somebody would jump off a bridge and take the crutches with them and especially think I think that the crutches would float but 
you think uh, you actually saw these crutches, and how long was it after Jake's disappearance that you thought that you saw them, and where do you think that you saw them? Well, actually, it was that um, my my daughter, um, her aunt told her to tell me that Jake's crutches, that she had Jake's crutches. And that she was to tell me. So I told the detective that information. Yeah. And the detective went over there and confronted, confronted her. And she she said she did. She said, yeah, that's Jake's crutches. And they asked, well, what are they doing here? Um, and she says, oh, Jake didn't need them anymore. That's what his doctor told him. And I'm like, yes, you know, and I'm just sitting here like, so do you have them? And he's like, no. So I said, so what are you going to do? He has done nothing. And I'm saying, wait, any, any place you look, you will see that for the last six years I've been saying his crutches have never been found. Any site you look at, any Facebook yeah. page, anything, I know. his crutches will always missing and it comes up and you say oh well how all right so where were once again though where were the crutches found at george's mother's house and so but we have to remember that jake was there for dinner at his grandmother's on the 27th right right and is it possible, Justina asked, is it possible that Jake just took off without them? No way. No way. What does your other son, Greg, remember about this? Does he remember Jake leaving with his crutches? Oh, Craig knew he couldn't walk without his crutches. No way. All I'm asking is, did, did your older son see Jake leave with his crutches? Does he has he ever stated that? I know what he knew, but I'm just asking what he saw. I've never asked him, but okay. okay. I even told the detective. I said, "I get with his doctor. Let his doctor tell you. You know, don't take my word for it. Talk to his doctor. Okay. His doctor confirmed it." Okay, so these crutches, and once again, though, it was this big news that, you know, his crutches were still missing, but this grandmother never, never came forward. Never came forward. Well, it was his aunt. Now, the same aunt that I'm talking about, um, I went to – she lives with her mother, by the way. So this is that same man I'm talking about. She. So her mother could have not even known they were in the shit. Mm. Her mother's 73 or 83, I don't know. Anyway, her and I had words to where I never lose my temper and I never cursed. But this day, I did. I, I don't even think I've seen her. I've seen Red. She told me that I told, I'm probably the one that went in and stole his TV and his his guns and stuff. And uh-huh. I blew And I literally was told to get off the property by Mr. George. But um so after 
my daughter was told that, I was like, seriously? And she's the one that accused me of taking all this stuff. So then it kind of all clicked together, you know. So that's why I was really upset whenever the detective didn't do anything. He still hasn't. Mm. So how long did it take before these crutches, this revelation regarding the crutches being at the grandmother's, came out? Oh, um, what, just maybe, what, five months ago, six months ago? Wow, that long. So it took six years for that to happen. Exactly. Now, I've spoken with his grandfather, his grandmother, his aunt everybody about crutches missing mm-hmm. i've actually had conversations with them about where were these crutches mm-hmm. and if they knew that whole time they were in that shed why didn't anybody speak up okay are you sure that, i mean all crutches kind of look the same are you sure that they are jake's I can't imagine her putting herself in that much trouble and then actually telling the detective they they really were Jake's. Oh. I mean, that's kind of like tampering with evidence. If you if you say that they are and they're really not, mm. you know, that can get you in a lot of trouble because okay. crutches have a serial number on it, on them. You can tell who's a who. Okay. I didn't know that, but okay. Yeah. Um, that is puzzling. So we have the booted home. We got the crutches at the grandmother's. Uh, of course his wallet's missing, but his phone was left in the vehicle. Um, you know, we got a lot of unsubstantiated time in Jake's life on August 28th. We have these texts between Fallon and Jake where they're at each other's throats, and then the next day on the 28th, they're all making nice again. We have him avoiding calls, you might say, from um, his boss. But then we can't forget, though, that your ex, George, says that Jake was at his house on the evening of August 28th. Right. Okay. And did George ever say whether Jake was with his crutches or not? No, nobody's. Nobody's out. He's never Okay. Ever All right. And then on top of everything else, you go to Jake's place on the 30th, and stuff is missing. There's all sorts of holes in the wall, and the best uh, the roommate can tell you is you'll have to ask Fallon about it. Right. That's right. That's right. Okay. What has the last six and a half years been like for you, Tina? Uh, the listeners should know that you know I've been talking about Jake's disappearance for a decently long time, maybe a lot, a lot longer than a lot of other guests who eventually appear on the program. Um, so I think we've been probably talking about this since 2019. Um, what's this been like for you the last six and a half years? I know you've done a lot of work. Yeah, it's been a- it's been really hard, really uh, um, life-altering, I guess you could say. You have to have a, a armor, her body armor, because people call you all kind of names from crazy to, you know, you need help. 
year. Mm. It's been really rough. And I, I know that, uh, once again, I know that you've done a lot of work, and I know that you've, uh, over time, have told me that you thought there was going to be some movement made on the case and, and nothing's happened, a lot of dead ends. Oh, every time I think that, hey, this is going to be it, something's going to happen, it's, it turns out that they get stopped. Like, I've had so many um, detectives or um, people, once they get started on it, and they like hot, you know, hung ho. They're gonna do mm-hmm. it, and then all of a sudden it's like they stop, and they just don't want help anymore. And it's every time. Even this last detective, he has all the information. He's like, "Oh my God, I can't believe this went this far," or, you know, blah blah blah. And then boom, she stops. I'm like, "What is going on? Why is why are all these people just quitting? Why do they just stop?" And, in midair, and I, I have, you know, it makes me think, you know, is he in, is he in a protective custody or something? I mean, why, are, why are y'all stopping? What is wrong? Yeah. Okay. Uh, when you have gotten to talk to any investigator on Jake's disappearance, have they ever given you an opinion or a theory on what happened to him? Do would you say that they believe that Jake jumped off? Of that bridge, or would you say that they give you the feeling that they think something else has happened? They go both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned that um, Detective Cook, that was supposed to be on it for the first five years, the reason he couldn't give me an answer either way was he admitted that he never went to Jake's house. He never went to his house. I said, wait, how can you not go to, how can you have an investigation and you not go to someone's house? I said, I could steal your car, go jump off a bridge. Are they going to think it's you? Because mm-hmm. I didn't go to your house. I said, there would have been so much more you learned if you would have went to his home and seen the window was punched in and stuff was missing. I said, wouldn't that have told you a whole lot more? And I, so I was blown away with that one. So that whole day just went to, you know, so I don't know. They, some of them say, you know, there's so much so much left open, mm-hmm. you know. It can go either way. You know, they had a, um, a state trooper that was going across the bridge, yeah. um, going eastbound. And he says that morning, and it's on record, he says that morning he was going to work. He didn't see so much a boat as he seen a car on the truck with Jake's bridge, on on the bridge with Jake's truck. So the truck wasn't sitting there by itself. It was sitting there with another car. Exactly. As if, I guess, as if somebody was just parking the car there and then getting in with somebody else in another car. Right. Okay. So, and I mean, and I, and they brought him in, and he actually said, "Well, if I said it, I must, I must be true." Okay. And well, I have him on recording saying it. He can't deny it. Mm-hmm. You know. So. Okay. I mean, it's so much. 
All right, I guess what we're saying here is there, if this is uh, just something I, uh, as straightforward, I wouldn't call it simple, but straightforward as uh, somebody going, man or woman going to a bridge and jumping off of it, commit suicide for whatever reason, you wouldn't think you would have all of these other seemingly strange things going on. All right. Okay. I agree. Okay. Uh, Tina, do you have a Facebook page set up for Jake's disappearance? Yes, I do. It's um, Jake Watch Say Missing. And it's on Facebook right now, but with all the stuff going on, I'm not sure how much longer <laughs> it'll be there. But Why is that? Have Why is that? All the controversy with the Facebook and mm. the Twitter and okay. all that going on. So hopefully everything will get settled and it'll stay there. Mm-hmm. But if not, I'll have another tag to where I can tell people where it'll go. Okay. So, but right now, it's actually missing. Okay, and I will make sure by the time the listeners... Um, hear us hear our voices by the time the listeners hear our voices i will have linked to it for sure and of course like i said i'm going to be doing a video for our youtube channel regarding jake's disappearance as well just to diagram the bridge and kind of um, point out some important uh, things to the listeners so they can see it for themselves regarding uh, the truck and the lanes and everything else okay tina any final words before we complete this interview I just appreciate you listening and getting the word out. I I love to hear any theories. Okay. That's what we do, trying to find more information. Uh, I I know that you've uh, certainly given the listeners a lot to think about, especially since you have his phone and you have access to all these messages. Usually most times we do not have access to these messages, and I think – uh, you reading everything between him and Fallon uh, was very enlightening, uh, being that we know that that was certainly Jake writing those. And then the next day, uh, although you didn't read them, you said that the tone of the conversation was completely different. I think that's really going to stick out to people. But um, I appreciate being on Unfound. Um, and it was finally uh, great to have you on the program, being that we've probably been talking about uh, Jake's disappearance for a couple years now. So I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. No, thank you. Thanks for putting up with me. Oh, <laughs> uh, no problem. And you're welcome, Tina. And that was my interview with Tina LeClerc, mother of Jake Lachalet. I thank her for joining me and all of you on this episode. A warning. This summation is long. I have many things to cover, along with playing some additional audio. My first topic is the supplemental video concerning Jake's disappearance that covers the bridge alone. It is, of course, on the Unfound podcast channel on YouTube. I show you both a satellite view and street view of the bridge where Jake's truck was. And I also analyze whether somebody on the opposite side of the bridge going the opposite direction could have seen someone jump off of it at night. My second topic. Due to the discussion of Jake's text from August 27th and after being very complex, and that kind of discussion usually does not come out very well with just audio, 
I forgot to talk about something very important regarding the early morning of August 29th. You can download Jake's phone usage file and look at it for yourself at theunfoundpodcast.com. The good news, I also did a supplemental video on the calls and texts as well, with the spreadsheet being on the screen with me pointing out those conversations that caught my eye. Once again, on the Unfound Podcast channel on YouTube. However, in this podcast, I want to go over the most important point, in my opinion, from the extensive phone information Tina has. According to those records, at the very same time those 911 calls were coming in, Fallon's friend Ramona was texting Jake, asking him where he was. The next text says that Fallon is bleeding badly. So, where was Fallon bleeding? She was bleeding at the trailer where Jake lived with Jeff. If you will remember, Fallon claims she showed up there and saw something, something that Tina did not want to mention during our interview. Why was Fallon bleeding? Because she broke into the trailer and got sliced by the glass. And this then ties in why first... It's really odd that the roommate Jeff never saw nor heard anything. Second, it probably explains why Jeff's ultimate answer was that Tina should talk to Fallon when Tina asked about the damage and Jake's stuff being missing. To be as clear as possible, at the same time those 911 calls were happening, Fallon is at Jake's. Coincidence? That's for you to decide. The third summation topic. Something not explicitly mentioned during the interview is that in the phone log, there is a period of over two hours on August 28th where Jake neither received any calls nor texts, nor did he make any calls or texts. The last person he contacts before this blank area is his father, George. The first person he contacts after this blank period is his father, George. And although I usually like to just keep it at three points, I must add in a fourth. Those 911 calls. Here are the recordings so you can listen for yourselves. I will offer my comments after. 2.46 a.m. 7 second. Gunner is 911. Where is your emergency? Hey, how you doing? Look, um, I'm, a, I'm a truck driver and I'm going with. Okay, hold on one second. Let me 
Those were the two 911 calls made concerning Jake's truck being on the I-10 bridge over the Mississippi River during the early morning of August 29, 2014. I am certainly not an expert in this area. However, my assistant Carrie was a 911 dispatcher at one time, so she has experience listening to people's voices, especially under difficult circumstances. And Carrie believes the callers are the same. Yes, we already know the calls came from the same number. But with Carrie making the assertion that one, if not both of those voices you hear, are not the true voice of the caller, this adds in another layer to an already complex disappearance. If Carrie is correct, then this really could mean that Jake did not jump off the bridge that early morning but several people wanted to make it appear as though he did. Why would several people want to do that? I don't know. But one very specific point should be made. Whether it's one guy or two guys making those calls, neither of them said they saw somebody jump off the bridge. Instead, just one of them said he heard somebody else in another vehicle over the CB, say that somebody jumped off the bridge. Well, I have a good question. Why didn't the driver who actually saw the person jump off that bridge call 911? Why was that driver content enough to just talk about it on the CB? I mean, a person jumping off a bridge is a fairly significant occurrence. Why did it take someone else to call the jumper in and not the actual witness. Hmm. I wonder. However, as complex as Jake's disappearance is, it's another minimum information problem, just like every other case on Unfound. Jake's just happens to have a lot more information than most of the others, yet it's still open to different interpretations. All I can do is offer up the evidence and allow you, the public, to make your own determinations. And to do that, please go to the Unfound Podcast channel on YouTube to view the two supplemental videos. I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Dunsell, and you've been listening to Unfound.